Vocalist Laura Dickinson may be the busiest person in Hollywood. She's a voice actor, a vocal contractor, the person who hires and directs musicians and vocalists for film soundtracks, a conductor, a ranger, and a specialist in doing something called sound-a-mites. Sounding like Doris Day or Celine Dion or any number of people, if a movie needs someone to sing in that style. She's won three Grammys for her music production and contracting work while recording her own CDs between film gigs. Laura and I recorded the following conversation in Los Angeles right before she went off to a gig for Yamaha, where she thought they were using her to analyze different vocal sounds, but she wasn't quite sure. Yes, this is a woman who leads a very interesting life. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. One of Laura Dickinson's biggest inspirations is Frank Sinatra. Here's Laura from her tribute CD to Frank on How About You. I like New York in June. How about you? Gershwin How about you? I love a fireside when a storm is due. I like potato chips, moonlight motor chips. How about you? I'm mad about good books. I can't get my
am fascinated with your backstory because you have so many skills in conducting, singing, voiceover work, acting, all these different things. You started studying very young when you were three, dancing, singing, all of this, but you didn't go to music college. You didn't do any of that. And you've taught yourself how to do these things. And your parents were musicians. Talk a little bit about that and the focus, because I think a lot of people are thwarted when they don't have the opportunity maybe to go to school to do this, but they have a gift, which you obviously have. Thank you. And I want to talk about that focus because you had to be even more, I think, driven to do it because you had to make your own opportunities. And I'm fascinated and impressed with that. So just talk about a bit of how you you got this all together in your journey of how you were learning these things. Because you talked about your father doing would you call it not really vocal impressions? Would you call it that? What we you- call it in the industry and in the voiceover world kind of sound alikes. Okay. So when speaking of Bombshell and Charlize Theron, yeah. have you seen that movie? I haven't, but I've seen the clips and I know how much she changed her when voice. I and was- she said she damaged her voice by doing that for that a while. That I did not know. Yeah, that she actually had to recover from that because she was lowering it so much. I couldn't figure out why I was like, wait, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. Sometimes people aren't available to come in and do their own ADR. Mm -hmm. If they get a messed up sound on set, they've got to go in and re-record it. And I don't think she was available to do it. So they actually had auditions to find someone to do her ADR for her. And I I submitted. I didn't get get the job, but um, I couldn't figure out why I had heard the dialogue. So that's what my dad was doing with Elvis Presley, Roy Orbison, Neil Young, Stephen Stills, Tom Jones. His band actually backed up Tom Jones on KLOS once. That was fun because he wanted to change a key at the last minute. Uh, So I learned my sound alike skills from my dad listening Mm. to our, we had a garage band, you know, I was a kid sitting there, you know, next underneath the keyboard next to the drums before hearing protection was a thing we all thought about. So it was interesting to learn about different instrumentation at that age and just learn how to start listening. Mm, That's really key. Listening because people ask me about that all the time. Well, how did you do this? How did you? And it's all about listening. And it's the hours. I think that's another thing that you can't do this fast. 10,000 hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just listening to it. And speaking of that, you sent me a track that I just love that they told you to sound like Doris Day or a Doris Day-like vibe, right? A lot of times in film and TV, you know, they'll send you a temp score. Hey, we like something that sounds like this. And I don't think that they were able to license the song they wanted to use of mm, Doris Day. Mm. So they had Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross write an actual jazz song. Mm. And they wanted it low, alto, sultry, longing, a little bit of sadness. And I had a great time doing it. I actually recorded it in New York in your in, in, your my, in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic.
My guest, vocalist Laura Dickinson, on The Way It Used to Be, from Watchmen. Here's Doris Day, the inspiration for Laura singing on that track. Everybody loves a baby, that's why I'm in love with you. Pretty baby, pretty baby. And I'd like to be your sister, brother, dad. Mother too, pretty baby, pretty baby. Won't you come and let me rock you in my cradle of love, and we'll cuddle all the time. Oh, I want a loving baby, and it might as well be you, pretty baby. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with vocalist Laura Dickinson. You do vocal contracting, and you have a wonderful website, which I recommend everybody go to. And you talk about this and explain what this is, because a lot of people don't know that end of it. I mean, we're here in Los Angeles, and loads of people are involved in the business. And even if they're not, they're peripherally involved, and they'll know what all these terms mean, but a lot of people don't. I think most people don't and don't know how You're it works. You're exactly right. When I talk to people about what a contractor is and what I do, most of the people in the industry don't, they have no clue. Even but, in the wait, industry, what? they don't know. Oh yeah. I have a KFC commercial that ran this last Christmas and the Christmas before. And I told them in the audition, you know, according to your in a kind and nice, you know, mm-hmm, please mm-hmm. hire me type of a way. According to our contracts with SAG after, if there are three vocalists, you have to have a contractor. It's like hiring a stunt team without a stunt coordinator. There are there's no guarantees that you can get onto a set and your producer or your director or whomever, they might not know how to speak music. So if they tell you the classic, you know, you're you're doing it too blue, I want it more green, <laughs> then your contractor can tell you, okay, that means let's put a smile on it and a little faster. But I did have to, on set, figure out how to make the lyrics match the notes of the Christmas carol they chose because mm. there are a little bit too many syllables. I had to find a key that the Colonel Sanders could sing in and all the carolers could sing in also. They didn't want any harmonies from Christmas carolers, so... They do, contractors do everything for the artist, the composer, the end client, whomever that may be. Because if you're making a record or you're doing a TV show, you're not always going to use the same band or the same orchestra. Like studios actually had full-time orchestras employed back in the day. Yeah, in the old days, right. Unless you're you too and you have your own traveling with you, bass, drums, rhythm section, you know, you, you might need somebody to come in and help you like, oh, I would like to put a gospel choir on this track or, oh, let's have a six piece horn section on this track. Or this is a full big band record. I don't have my own big band. Let's hire one. So not only hiring your instrumentalists, your vocalists, but a lot of times we're responsible for connecting people with arrangers, with orchestrators, with composers, with writing partners. Also our relationships that we built in studios 
getting your dates booked, getting the availability of all the players, finding a conductor for you, having a score reader, making sure you have the right engineer. A lot of artists sometimes that are newer to the recording side of things, they won't have any of those relationships established. And even the people that do have the relationships established, you know, we're meeting new people all the time, up and coming people of all ages from all walks of life. I've been working with an artist in India. It's like getting all the people together and just nurturing the relationships is I think the most important part of contracting darling you are just beginning and you are such a dear you will be someone and hold your own I go around the world and I search Every minute for someone to call my own, I'll hold my breath. I have seen everything from immigration to IRS. You've begun to walk your path in baby steps. We can see. guest vocalist and voice actor Laura Dickinson, singing all the vocal and instrumental parts on her own composition, Fall All Over Again. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Laura has many roles in the music business, including what's called vocal contracting. We're talking about a contractor in New York. I'm usually thinking of people who hire the musicians for the date. Mm -hmm. And that's safe. So I have a date and I call the contractor because I don't want to call 50 men. Of course not. I want to do that work. But that's what we think of as the contractor. I didn't 
ever think about the fact that you're also on the date talking about keys, talking about what works. I thought, even I thought that you hired the people and you sent in the people who could do the gig, not that you remain involved. So that's fascinating to me. With the AFM contracts, there are different rates for playing contractors and non-playing, as in your violinist, your concertmaster is also your contractor and he's going to get triple scale or whatever it is because he's also playing. But you can have someone like me be the instrumental orchestra contractor, Mm -hmm. music contractor. Mm -hmm. I like to use the term because we do both in our side of things. Sometimes I'm hiring instrumentalists, sometimes I'm hiring vocalists, but you also kind of have to work as the producer at times. The SAG after contract, the vocal contractor must be a singing member of the group. And sometimes we bend that a little bit and have them be the conductor of the group. But Mm -hmm. we're also really producing, you know, we, we don't, always have to stand up on the podium and conduct. But if we are singing in the ensemble, we're conducting usually from within the ensemble, Mm. giving cutoffs. It's like kind of like riding Boeings and the string charts. It's, it's involved. And I think that people forget that the contractor does a lot of the producing side of it too. We get paid on the recording date. We are not getting paid on all those days that we're making the calls and trying to you know do all the scheduling, but we're just getting paid on the date of the session. And then in post, if something gets used in a soundtrack, then we've got to file a whole other round of paperwork, check residuals, track things. It's it's a lot of work in pre-production, production, and post, and we just get paid for the production part of it. I get you up there where the air is rarefied. We'll just glide starry eyed. Once I get you up there, I'll be holding you so near. You'll make me angels cheer. Cause we're together. Weather wise, it's such a
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. You also do animated voices. You just did something a few days with, ago. Yeah, with Seth McFarlane. And Joel McNeely, we did an episode of The Orville for season three. No, that's very exciting. So talk yeah. about that, because we're both big Seth fans. Well, we're not unique in this, but we both have met Seth, no Seth, and he's great. So talk about working with him. Well, I've actually never met him in person. I did oh. my very first, I've been Michael Buble's vocal contractor for five years now, and I have enjoyed that opportunity very much. I've learned a lot, but I did an event for him, for Michael, at the Grammy Museum for the Sinatra 100th anniversary, and Seth was also performing with a great big band. Max Weinberg was producing, oh, yeah, yeah. and Scott Healy, keyboardist on Conan, great composer, he had me come in and contract for Michael. And Seth performed, but I didn't get to meet him. Aww. And that was after we had done one of my main Phineas and Ferb episodes where he did a main voice on it too, but we didn't record at the same time. So this was kind of third time I thought was the charm, but nope. You I still to, didn't get to meet him. No, he's busy. He came in and co-produced the vocals and left. He's well, busy. I will, I'll tell you something that'll make you feel good. I, Rachel McFarlane, his sister, Who I love. yes, said, "By the way, how?" Because I had her on the show, and she said, "By the way, how did you get Seth on the show?" This is his sister, mm-hmm. and I Rachel said, "Rachel with an A E L." Yeah, and I said, uh, "I said, well, it was a bit like climbing Mount Everest." <laughs> And she said, believe it or not, it's the same for the family getting him home for Thanksgiving. (laughs) So it was very funny. That sounds like a dream come true. It was was a very... Connecticut. I know, but it was very... He's a busy man. Rachel's daughter, Bella Laudiero, I hired for Sophia the First, one of our Disney Channel songs, and she came in and sang in a group of three children, and she killed it. Her daughter is very talented. Keep an eye out for her. Talk about... It was really a lovely story about listening to Sinatra and how you got excited about jazz. Talk about that, because I love that. When we were off mic before we started, you were talking about listening to him over and over, and then you have this beautiful track that you brought for me. So talk about Sinatra. My grandparents, who are now 88 and 90 years old, celebrated their 40th anniversary, wedding anniversary, back in the 90s, and my mother bought the best of the capital years. Sinatra, all the greatest. Just, And I fell in love with it, I think, because... I was learning how to listen to, oh, you know, vowel shapes, diction, vibrato speed, vibrato control. And Sinatra is the king of that. You know, I hear a lot of that in people like Seth MacFarlane and Harry Connick and Michael Buble, just getting influenced by that Sinatra perfect style, that fedora sound, I call it. But I had a hole in my retina. I think I was maybe 12 or 13. That was when I was getting into that jazz side of things. And we would listen to that going to the ophthalmologist about three times a week, back and forth. I just started to memorize those songs. And I realized that baritone keys were great for sopranos. So I always sing, when I sing Sinatra repertoire, Nat King Cole, stuff from that era, I'll always keep them in their original keys because they work. And I think that people forget about the science of keys when people lower keys for a live performance, it automatically feels like there's less energy. I pull that trick in the studio world a lot when I'm submitting demos for things and they give me a little bit of freedom, flexibility. I'll like maybe raise the key a half step so they automatically, their ears will perk up a little bit more. Mm. So yeah, I like to keep things in their, their original true keys. But I just, I mean, you can't go wrong with Sinatra. You make me feel so young 
You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak I wanna go play hide and seek I wanna go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon You and I are just like a couple of tots Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung And a wonderful fling to be flung And even when I'm old and gray I'm gonna feel the way I do today Cause you make me feel so young You make me feel so young You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak I want to go and play hide and seek I want to go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon You and I are just like a couple of tots Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung Wonderful fling to be flung And even when I'm old and gray I'm gonna feel the way I do today Cause you, you make me feel so young You make me feel so young You make me feel so young Ooh, you make me feel so young I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. 
Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to podcasts of Jazz Inspired from all the usual platforms and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production not funded by NPR. We're funded primarily by your donations. So please visit jazzinspired.com to chip in. No gift is too small. 2020 marks our 20th year on air. Please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. My guest is actress-vocalist Laura Dickinson. Tower of Power. I just saw them. Any chance to play Tower of Power, I'm a happy girl. Talk about Tower of Power. When I was engaged the first time to a drummer, (laughs) (laughs) I was getting into listening to more of like Stevie Wonder and discovering Tower of Power for the first time and actual funk music. And I realized why I liked Tower Power so much and bands like that with the horns and the driving electric bass, it's mainly because there's a lot of 16th notes usually in the bass line. And anything that is just driving and hip like that, especially with the the, the um, syncopated rhythms between the horns and the rhythm section, like I just fell in love with it. Plus, I, I could sing in those keys. I do uh, like oil in the ground with my big band. It's so fun. For me at this point in my life where music means so much work-wise to find the stuff that is important to me to listen to personally and that is fun for my ears that I don't have to worry about my tinnitus is going off. I can just <laughs> re- relax. And because uh, when you listen to music, you're automatically thinking like, okay, but what's, what's the chord structure here? What's the key signature? And I feel like when I can listen to music for fun and not think, those are the things that I need to have more of in my life. (laughs) Sinatra is definitely one of them. I mean, if I'm in the car, I'll listen to Seriously Sinatra on XM or 
KUSC 91.5, always classical or jazz and just something to kind of take my mind off if I'm not trying to prep for a concert. Now it's just a lot of James Bond stuff because I'm going to go sing with Santa Rosa Symphony, a bunch of James Bond music. So. Are you really? Yes. Oh, I'm really excited. That's going to be so much fun. Thank you. Talk about Barbara Streisand. Not a lot of people bring me Barbara on this show and uh, I love her. Talk about her. My best friend. Of 35 years, our parents were pregnant together. Our mothers were. Yes. <laughs> and he was obsessed with her, so I started studying her. I loved Funny Girl, the movie. Still love it. And he got this idea as 14-year-old kids, him and I, to ask our parents for $350 tickets each to see her at the Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, which is now the Honda Center. And we were the youngest people in the audience. <laughs> It was spectacular. And oh. now I know a lot of people that were on that tour in that orchestra. Oh. I dated one of them for a couple years. Wow. <laughs> so it was spectacular to see at that age what you could do with a full-blown production. There's a DVD of that concert. It has the swirly B gold logo. And it was just wonderful in that she incorporated everything, multimedia, an orchestra, the set design, the lighting. She had costume changes. She had a story, a through line. And I also noticed, I think that was one of my first experiences of seeing someone work with a teleprompter because she has all of her dialogue and lyrics on a teleprompter. Wow. Because she's so nervous. I have heard that she has had some stage fright things here and yeah, there, but that's why I say that because I know she's smart. You know, you won't have a uh, people are paying three hundred fifty dollars plus a ticket. I wouldn't want to mess up a lyric either. And if something happens out of the ordinary, you know, you have a little. That's one of the hardest parts I find of singing is making sure you memorize your lyrics. If you're not allowed to have a music stand on stage, it's so interesting. I'm just thinking about it as a jazz musician because that. I think it would distract me. It would make me feel, if I were looking at lyrics, that it would it would be hard to stay in the story. But it obviously mm -hmm. isn't for her. That's her. That's what she comes from. We had really wonderful seats too that were pretty close. We were right in front of a box. Uh, Neil Diamond was in the box. Joan Collins, a bunch of other famous people that I had no idea who they were at age fourteen. But that concert changed my life. That's when I heard. The Man That Got Away, for the first time, like that song blew me away. And I have that chart in my book. No, I had it so re recreated it. so that I could exactly perform her arrangement because that was the first arrangement I heard. I guess the only good thing about unrequited love is um, that it's been the inspiration for some of the greatest songs ever written. Like this next song by Harold Arlen and... Uh, Thank you. The night is bitter. The stars have lost their glitter. The winds grow colder. Suddenly you're older. Because of the man that got away. 
has run off and undone you. That great beginning has seen the final inning. Don't know what happened. It's all a crazy I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Liza, that was for your mom. I'm talking with vocalist Maura Dickinson. Yeah, Barbara Streisand was a great influence with the same types of things that I would listen for in Sinatra. Vowel shapes, diction, how long she would hold a note and stray tone and then spin the vibrato in at the last minute. I started doing research on Yentl, which the song, A Piece of Sky, and she's on the the boat and just like those, Quincy Jones calls it emotion lotion, the songs that make you feel something. Mm, mm. And she has a lot of those feeling songs. You know, oh, yeah. Memory from Cats as a kid, screaming that in my parents' room <laughs> into my dad's microphone because he had a little office set up with a, a microphone and a speaker system to practice his songs for his band. So I would go in there with my karaoke tape and scream out, wind beneath my wings and memory from cats. And anyway, she was a great influence, not just as a singer performer, but as an actor, as a director, as a producer, I've always felt some negativity and criticism for wanting things to be very detail oriented and knowing my vision very clearly. And that's Streisand is all about that. So it's like, Oh, I feel a little more normal. <laughs> 
You talk about that you've received some criticism for wanting things a particular way, and certainly Streisand has, Barbara Streisand. And I've, over the years, been fascinated by people's process and accepted that people do things very differently. And if the end result is good, then great. Mm -hmm. Some people are very spontaneous. Some people, I I thought I wanted to be be doing stage acting. And that evolved to a point where I realized that I really like to be more improvisational, that I'm right where I should be. I like it. Yeah, you are. (laughs) And it's hard. It would be hard for me to do the same thing every night. It's almost impossible for me to do the same thing. But other people, that's exactly what they do, and they do it great, and they go deeper and to a different place in a different way, saying those same lines. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting is that people resist that. Why would people criticize that? Your result is great. You're right where you should be, I feel- and you couldn't, you couldn't do what you do without being detail-oriented. I feel I don't like know most, how you of do the, it. most of the criticism I was getting on that kind of a thing was when I was younger, and mm. I don't think I earned or deserved that respect yet because I hadn't done anything. And most of that genre that I was feeling that way was in musical theater. Mm. And there are far and few between musicians, vocalists in the musical theater world because the style of performance isn't as demanding as singing with an orchestra or doing session singing on a film. It's just, it's a different skill set. You don't have to necessarily even read music. So I was always kind of miserable in music rehearsals where we would sit down with a cast of 40 and have to listen to the alto part being plunked over and over and over again. And I'm I'm five pages ahead of them because it's like, why didn't you learn to read music in the first place? It mm. saves so much time. So that was an interesting time of my life when I was just going back to back musical theater shows. I loved doing it, but the musicianship wasn't always my cup of tea there. So now that I'm in a different sort of set of circles, it's a lot easier to say, let's shape this a little bit more. Let's do a different uh, you know, raise your palate a more here, smile on here. We're doing no vibrato up until we get here, diminuendo here. Like all the details are provided to me in a different type of music. So well, getting, and, out, and of, you're getting working, out of musical yeah. theater was a, was a good thing. <laughs> well, and you're working with people who have those skills, who can accomplish those things you want them to do. That's what I'm taking from that. Yeah. And, and also that people should, I think, be more accepting of young people that have a certain attitude, that there isn't a correct attitude, unless that correct attitude is to work hard, which I feel that you don't get things fast, that that the work is the thing. But I see it on this show, because the show is about creativity and inspiration and purpose and all of that, that each of my guests has had very different skill sets, but they they sh- they revealed themselves early. The person who, when they heard an orchestra, thought as a child, I want to be in front of that orchestra and I want to be performing and I want to have all those that music behind me. Or and as opposed to the person, or in contrast to the person who thought, ooh, listen how all those instruments work together. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great to be the person who is directing each of those things? And then you that's that person's gonna be 
the singer, that person's going to be the conductor. I find that fascinating. And I think a lot of times as children, we're not, that isn't reinforced. People say, no, you should be thinking this way. Do you know what I'm saying? Does of that, course. Yeah. No one, well, some people do, but a lot of people are afraid to put their kids into a music career or to have them think about it early because usually it means, could mean starving for a while. Right. But having, if I had known that there were such a thing as, contractors and there was an avenue to get more into animation because that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the voice of a singing Disney princess, mm -hmm. which I did. It was on Disney Junior. I still sort of count it. <laughs> and you look like Snow White. So so you've got Thank it covered. You. Thank you. But that was the thing. I think if, which is why I'm so passionate about music education. And I have a six-part acapella group still that we go out to the schools and explain to them what we do for a living. People in that group have Broadway credits, have performed all over the world, and seeing their little brains start spinning like, oh, maybe I could have a career. There's just so many different avenues of the music industry that I know now and as, as an adult that I had no idea about as a child, how to get, get access to that. So that's part of why I started my YouTube channel. I've been doing more, more, more orchestral videos and just trying to give young people an opportunity to see how I got the best compliment yesterday. Can tell I tell me. you? Yes. She said to me, I've seen your voice. Mm. And that's what my whole goal was. I want kids, adults alike to be able to see the harpist in the studio, what that looks like, what the sound looks like, having somebody actually play a celesta in the studio. Like, what is that thing that looks like a piano, but it's not? This is what it sounds like. I sat down immediately and played Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood because that's Aww. one of the most famous pieces. Uh, but there's a lot of celeste on that Over the Rainbow piece. Mm -hmm. And I felt very strongly about getting the right instrument in there. Another thing people that forget about is cartage. Sometimes the people that bring in the percussion instruments get paid more than the drummer does. Right, right. It's a lot. It takes a lot. It takes a village. So... Yeah. And you're teaching that with the YouTube channel, which I think is great because... I'm trying to. <laughs> well, I think it's wonderful. And people can see this on your site. And I'm told... That's another thing I'm told repeatedly. And I know you know it's true, too, that people talk about that first musician they saw or this their parents took them to this or they saw something on YouTube. Exposure is everything. Mm-hmm. And because you never know what's going to hit with a kid or with an adult and make somebody, I, I have loads of people come up and tell me they've just started playing piano. And I say, great. And they're 40 or whatever. And they're doing it for themselves because it doesn't, everybody doesn't have to be a professional people. It doesn't have to be American Idol. It can just be for the joy of it, mm -hmm. which is great, which you're really promoting on your YouTube channel because you're educating people in a way that they're going to see what's possible and enjoy the music more because they understand it on a deeper level. I hope so. Start, for we've been fooled before. 
Guest Laura Dickinson on My Foolish Heart. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. You were a Jehovah Witness, which I found fascinating, and were not, even though you had trained, you'd taken lessons, you'd taken dance, voice, piano, all these things. When you were in high school, that was part of why you dropped out, you said earlier before we were on I wanted to perform. I just felt that. It was in my blood, you know. Yeah. Was, I had been doing it my whole life, even before I started training. My mom was teaching me the songs out of the hymnal and kind of dance for grandma. Do you know that expression? Yes, from chorus of line? course, of course. Like, you know, sing, sing, sing. And has just been doing it my whole life, and I wanted to do it. Mm. We were talking about being an artist, and it's just such a big part of you that I feel like a little bit of me does die when I'm not doing it, mm. whether it's for work or just for fun, which was why I started my big band in the first place. I just had to do that for my soul because it was fun, and I loved it, and I was not going to wait for anybody to create that opportunity for me. But yeah, I was in church growing up three days a week, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Sunday night, and if I were ever to be cast in a musical at the school or have to go to cheerleading practice, that would take me away from church. So I was not really allowed to, to do much performing in school. Well, baby, you showed them. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now stay I have in to... school, everyone. Please. Yeah, stay in school. This was an exceptional, but you did get your um, your GED or what the California equivalent of that is. Yes. So you did do that. I took a test and I have that certificate, baby. Yes, yes. So school is a good thing. Education is a good thing. We both reinforce that. We both go out into schools and talk about these things. But I have to talk about, before I let you go, why I'm letting you go, because I could have you here forever, that you're about to go off and do a very interesting gig. And I think this is this is important. And I'm glad you said this. Nobody's brought this up on this show before that I can remember, that there are so many things that you can do that are connected to music without mm -hmm. being Celine Dion. There's a lot of things you can do that are wonderful, that are that it's a team effort, which is great too. But you're doing this very interesting thing today for Yamaha. So talk about this. I think this is fascinating. I can't wait to see what it actually is so I can speak on it on an <laughs> educational <laughs> level. But it is more, I think it is more for education. They're, they want to look at how the female voice works in the range of artists like Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey three of my favorite female vocalists of all time. That's always something that I look for in any artist, whether they're famous or not, especially the session singers in town. If you hear two seconds of a voice and you can identify it, that's key. Mm. I love mm. that. Mm -hmm. I just love that about someone when you, it's just like 
you know, learning the difference between what John Coltrane sounds like compared to any others. Yeah, right. Uh, it's like le- having your own voice. Mm-hmm. But today they're they're wanting to. They're going to have me in for three long days, and they want to study how the voice moves and adapts and works. I think more on the techno technical side. I'm not sure if they're doing vocal library stuff or if they're experimenting with microphones, but. I'll send you a full report. Yes, I want to hear all about it. I think it's fascinating. I am a huge fan. I admire all the things you're doing and that you created it all yourself, which is really special. I think that people often wait for an opportunity to come to them. But talk about Carpe Diem, and you have certainly done that, and I'm delighted. Thank you for taking the time for this. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And everyone, if you have not seen Judy perform live, please get out to see her. I got to see her with sitting with Tierney Sutton at Vitello's a few months ago, and it was spectacular. And I just, I did take a lot of notes because you're dynamic. Thank you again for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to my conversation with Laura Dickinson. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidoff. You can download podcasts of Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired from all the usual podcast platforms or listen at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with my Cashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Paige at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit Paige at 63 Main at opentable.com. And for more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com. <laughs>